Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. We as Christians must understand who we really are and what we have in Christ. In order to understand who we are, we must understand what Christ has done for us. And it's understanding what Christ has done for us and why God did what he did and seeing how exactly God sees us, how valuable we are. As we said before, the Bible tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Also tells us that we are God's handiwork, his works of art, that we were preordained for good works. We were preordained. God thought about Um, doing wonderful works through us in the earth before we even realized it. But it was going to come under the umbrella of us coming into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So once you come into Christ, you now come into the value that God has always seen in you. Now, because you are a Christian and because God has ordained you and preordained you for good works, this means that you become a threat to the kingdom of darkness. This means that you as a representative of God in the earth and God's purpose in the earth means that the devil and all of his forces are going to always try to discredit who you are and try to stop you and thwart your purpose and get you to renege or blind you from the purposes that God has ordained for your life, which is one of the main reasons why a lot of Christians live with a level of ignorance or a malaise or these blinders over their eyes, not being able to fully embrace the forgiveness that we have in Christ, not being able to really fully embrace the freedom that we have in Christ. And a lot of us live in guilt and shame and condemnation. And we got our checklist and all these other things that we have to do to try to convince ourselves that we belong to the Lord, right? If I mess up, God's forgiveness is not enough. I have to do something else to make myself feel forgiven, right? So the real potent power of repentance gets sabotaged because we exalt how we feel about salvation over what the Bible says it is. So it's a level of freedom that God is calling us to and understanding and fully embracing all that God has given us through Christ. And once you get to know that and once you come to embrace that, the enemy is going to fight you. This is the premise of spiritual warfare. Now, the biggest trick of the devil is to make us believe that spiritual warfare is not real. That you are fighting each other, that we are fighting in our relationships, that we are fighting in our family. And it's human fighting, right? It's I'm fighting a personality. I'm fighting someone who I don't like or I'm fighting a hater. I'm fighting somebody who don't forgive or whatever. Not really understanding or uh, putting into perspective that there are forces that are influencing the fights that we fight. There are forces that are influencing the people who we fight against. There are forces that are influencing us to be the enemy of people who are trying to get to God and we don't even realize it. Hmm. 
So there are always influencers and forces that are fighting that are causing unrest. God wants us to understand first who we are in order for us to understand why there's a need for spiritual warfare, which is why we thought it necessary to go through the book of Ephesians before we jump to spiritual warfare. Let's figure out what's the big deal. Like why, why, why are all these forces of darkness fighting us? What's the big deal about us that we have to deal with demonic forces and principalities and powers and spirits in high places fighting us? Well, it's because God sees you a certain way and these spirits can see who you are in Christ. And it's their job to get you to not fully walk in it. I was just going to add also, like, yes, there is that individual component where we're being fought individually Mm -hmm. with our own fights and whatnot. But if you look at the bigger picture, there is the bigger fight that's going on between good and evil. That's Mm -hmm. also the spiritual warfare that's going on Mm -hmm. between the light. That's us. We are the light. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we talked about that last week about walking in the light. Mm -hmm. You know, that we have come to the realization of. So there's a fight between that light and the gross darkness that is in the world Mm -hmm. that is being controlled by the principalities and the rulers in high places. So the bigger spiritual warfare component that's going on as well, not just our individual fights. And that's why it's important for us to grab a hold of the theme of unity that's been in the book of Ephesians. because. It unites all of us together as an army mm-hmm. fighting against the army of darkness right. that is the spiritual warfare that we are experiencing. 100%. So I just wanted to add that. And like, like we talked about last week, our relationship with God and our relationship in Christ has to affect every area of our lives until your natural life and your spiritual life come together. You being a Christian is the sum total of every relationship Every interaction, every conduct, how you perceived and how you perceive yourself. Christianity is the sum total of that whole thing. Right. So you're not uh, just a Christian on Sunday or when Christian issues come up. You are a Christian at work. So that means the fruit of your life should reflect Christ at work. It should also reflect Christ in your family life and your relationship with your kids. And your relationship with your friends, you know, in your workplace. That's what it is. And God is calling us to bring it all together so that you are a whole person in Christ. Now, because you are a whole person in Christ, Paul says, finally, now that you know who you are, the first commandment for you to do is be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him. We say this all the time. You cannot live this Christian life in your own strength. It is impossible to be a Christian in your own abilities. God does not want you to be a Christian and do this thing and walk this walk on your own. So he says, first, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, it's not our strength that we live this life in. It's God's strength. We don't fight with our own strength. And then once you do that, you'd make a decision to be strong in the Lord and who he's called you. Then put on the full armor of God. What is that? For his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier. 
so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. What was interesting about this is there are schemes, there are strategies, and there are deceptions, right? So the enemy is fighting us not just one way. Sometimes it's strategies that have lasted throughout our family line. Certain things run in my family, certain things, certain issues, they seem to follow me. Then there are deceits, so things that seem right, but they're not. Things that can be uh, seen as gray areas, that, but they're really leading you to corruption, right? The enemy maps out traps for us in our lives. That if we're not walking according to God's word or we're not staying close to God, we're liable to fall into these traps as we're walking in our lives. What the enemy likes to do is he likes to make us feel like we are really fighting other human beings. Like we are really fighting each other. But Paul makes it clear here and he says, for our struggle and our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. We're not contending only with physical opponents, but what we're really fighting against are rulers, against powers, against world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in supernatural places. So understanding that you're fighting things that are unseen, that you are fighting things that are supernatural. So because you're fighting on things that supernatural, a lot of things that are supernatural, you can't see. So in your own strength, how are you going to fight something that you can't see? Right. We fight what we do see, which causes what we don't see to be exacerbated because we end up fighting each other, empowering the unseen world and the unseen fight that's against us that is there to divide us. So then Paul says in 13, therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So when we think about spiritual warfare and we think about what it actually means, oftentimes we are tempted to feel like we have to fight the devil. So we have to fight these forces. We have to fight these principalities. We have to fight these powers. Nowhere in the Bible does God ever say fight the devil. God doesn't tell us to fight the devil. God tells us to resist the devil and he will flee. James 4 and 7. The way we do spiritual warfare is resistance, right? The way we fight forces of darkness is standing our ground in who we are with the right equipment on. The enemy will try, these forces of darkness try to antagonize us, right? And we all know what it feels like when people press our buttons, right? When I was growing up, I struggled with anger and, 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 and getting upset. Most people don't see that now because I'm all laid back and calm, but Thank God for his grace and his mercy and his regenerative powers. But, you know, there was a time where I was very angry and there were buttons that people, you know, triggers that could be pressed. Right. And you keep pressing those triggers and all of a sudden you start getting a response that maybe you want it. Right. Or you just want to see what happens when you keep poking the bear. A lot of us can relate to the fact that there are buttons that we have that when they're pressed, we're going to lose it. When they're pressed, we're going to 
have a problem. This is what the forces of darkness do. And yeah. also, just to add to that, not only are there buttons that they like to press, but there's also desires and appetites mm. because the word wiles in this scripture, mm-hmm. it means like to entice, mm. right? To, yep. to um, like seduce, seduce mm-hmm. or manipulate. Mm-hmm. But in order to be tempted, there has to be a desire yeah, that will cause place. you to act on it. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think of the scripture in James that talks about being drawn away by your own lust. Mm. So we have lust that would cause us to be drawn away. Mm-hmm. And because of our patterns of behavior mm-hmm. that are seen, that would cause us, you know, and just like with regular warfare, you know, enemies look at how they study their opponent yeah. and they study what trips them up and yep. their weaknesses so that they're able to counteract those weaknesses and fight them, right? Mm-hmm. So the same thing goes with us, you know, that the enemy is seeing, you know, our our temptations and the things that would cause us to be drawn away and be enticed. And so that is also a part of spiritual warfare. So it's the buttons that he can press that get us riled up and upset, but it's also the temptations and the lust that we can be drawn away with. You Absolutely, know, to keep yeah. in mind. It's so true. It's so true. So these go into, like you said, the wiles. So like the schemes, the right. strategies, the tricks. and the deceptions of the enemy that he's always trying to undermine everything that God has already done for you. Everything that God has already prepared and preordained for you. He can't stop what God is doing in your life. You stop it by getting distracted by the wild schemes, the wiles, the schemes, the deceptions, being drawn away by the temptations of life. The enemy doesn't really have power to stop what God has over us. And this is why, you know, when we miss it or when we, when we, we deal with such condemnation because God doesn't even want us going through life alone. He doesn't want us to go through our storms alone. He doesn't want us to go through anything alone. He wants us to walk with him. Because when we walk with God, the path is made straight for us. So the enemy's job is really to distract us and cause us to miss things that have already been prepared for us to receive. So this is why it behooves us as, you know, Christians and as those who trust God and believe in God to really do that. And to really coming to the understanding of who you really are in Christ and stand firm on what you know the Bible says that you have. Stand firm, unwavering, because once again, we are not to fight the devil. We are to stand and resist the devil. But the first clause in James 4 and 7, where, it, where that scripture comes from, the most important thing that we need to do first is submit ourselves to God. The verse reads, submit yourself to God, period. Resist the devil, comma, and he will flee. So the first instruction is submit to God. How do we submit to God? Well, we first realize that we don't have our own power to fight what we're fighting. We submit the fact that, okay, God, I'm going to believe in what you say I am. I'm going to trust in what Christ has done for me. I'm going to believe and choose to rely on the strength of God and not my own. So I'm going to put this full armor on that you put on. I'm going to put your armor on, not mine. I'm going to submit myself to the way you said this thing works. And then I'm not going to fight 
I'm going to stand. And my stand is perceived as a fight to the enemy. My standing in God's clothes, my standing in God's armor to the enemy looks like God is fighting for me. So all I'm doing is standing. But when the forces of darkness see me, they see God fighting. And really the beautiful thing about Paul's reference here to the armor of God, he's really referencing Isaiah and the several references of the Messiah and the actual armor of God uh, referenced in Isaiah 59 and 17. So Isaiah 59, starting at verse 14, justice is pushed back and righteous behavior stands far away. For truth has fallen in the city square and integrity cannot enter. Yes, truth is missing. And he who turns away from evil makes himself a prey. Now the Lord saw all of this. So basically he saw there was injustice. He saw that uh, righteous behavior was not happening. He saw that truth and integrity could not be found. And he also saw that people who were trying to do the right thing were ending up being prey to, predat to the predatory attacks, right? Now the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice, that he saw that there was no man and he was amazed that there was no one to intercede on behalf of the truth and right. Therefore, his own arm, God's own arm brought salvation and his own righteousness sustained him. Verse 17, for he, the Lord, put on righteousness like a cloak of armor and salvation like a helmet on his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and he covered himself with zeal and a great love for his people as a cloak. Now, well, as we go into the actual armor that Paul is referencing, this is not our armor that the Lord is telling us to put on. This is armor that God put on to defend his people. Right. So this is what we mean when we're saying when we put on the armor of God and we are involved in spiritual warfare, we have to remember our place and in that. God never told us to fight the enemy in our own strength. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. All we have to do is put on his clothes. It makes me think of like a regular army or a regular military force from any nation, not just our nation. They all have a uniform, mm -hmm. right? And it's something that they can be identified by. That's uniform. It's a uniform that's uniform. It's the same across mm, the board. Mm -hmm. So when you look at them, you know who they belong to because of their uniform, their, yeah. their armor. Mm -hmm. So when God tells us to put on his armor, it's just like the United States has a uniform that's standard across the board for every Marine to wear. Mm -hmm. You don't go in and fight in civilian clothing right. because you're not going in your strength. You're going in the strength of the nation that you're representing, that mm. you're fighting for mm -hmm. because you've been trained. And when you put on that uniform, you're saying, I've been trained by this nation. I protect this nation and I am representing this nation. Mm. We're all standing in conformity and in uniformity for this nation. Mm -hmm. So when we put on the armor of God, we're saying, I'm not going in my own strength. Good, this is yeah. not, I'm not going in my civilian clothing. I'm going in the armor of God. So I'm fighting, not fighting like in the sense of yeah. our own strength, yeah. but I'm going in the power and the strength of God. Yeah. So when you see me in this armor, 
in the spirit, no, you're not seeing me. You're seeing God. That's great. And when you were saying that, babe, I was thinking like when you see certain uniforms, it also represents a reputation, right? So when you see like those colors can strike fear yeah, it's like in the I'm hearts coming. of those who have had a run-in with God before. Yep. So what you're wearing is actually reflecting a reputation of God towards the forces of darkness that when they see God, they run. You submitted to God and put that uniform on and you're standing like, I ain't flinching. I know who I am in Christ. I know what the Bible says about me. And the enemy says, oh no, I'm getting out of here. But it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the spirit of God. So spiritual warfare is less about us putting our dukes up in the spirit and going into a boxing match with demons. It's about our understanding and appreciation for what God has done and understanding our identity in Christ. Right. Not Jew, not Gentile, not black, not white. It's Christ and all he has done for us and our embracing of that and our respecting of that will allow us to clothe ourselves to protect all that value. But we're not putting our own clothes on. We're putting on the armor of God because the fiery darts are going to come. The battles are going to come. The fights are going to come because the forces of darkness know who we are. It's about time for us to know who we are. So what is this armor? Ephesians 6 and 14. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth, personal integrity, moral courage around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm footed stability and readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith for which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Basically, he talks about several pieces of equipment that we are to put on. And these are metaphorical things that we see that this is God's armor. We already proved that based on Isaiah, right? That this is God's armor that we're putting on. So he talks about putting on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is intended to protect your head, protect your mind. That means your salvation and the value of your salvation needs to be always first and foremost in your mind. I remember um, talking to Pop, right? And Pop said something that's, that's really, really good. Whenever things go uh, wrong in his life or whenever things happen, he says, you know what? I'm saved. And, and you just think about that, right? Like no matter what, it is so simple, right? No matter what happens to me, it is well with my soul. And no matter what happens in my life, there's a security that I have because my life is not my own, that I have given my life over to Christ, which is the crux of this whole identity thing. That if you're in Christ, there comes a security, a peace that we walk in, a freedom that we walk in that is not predicated on life's inconsistencies. That is not limited to life's situations. So salvation is the protection of your mind. All the thoughts that rush in of self-doubt, of fear, of anxiety, all these things that come in, salvation ought to reign in our minds. The second thing, he talks about the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate protects your heart. 
protects your vital organs. Righteousness protects your vital organs. This is talking about the fact that the righteousness of God protects your heart. So when your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. That we can come before God boldly, as the Bible says, because we don't have to live in condemnation because righteousness and Christ's righteousness protects our hearts, protects our vital organs, right? So this is based on our, sur- our level of surrender to God, right? Submitting to God means giving him all of yourself. And it's not something that you do out of convenience. It's something that you do out of necessity because the enemy, when he's coming at your food, his fiery darts and those dark, those forces of darkness are coming at us with their fiery darts. They're coming to kill. They're aiming for your vital organs. The enemy wants, he's after your heart because as your heart goes, so does everything else. So righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, which reinforces all the other armor. So yes, you have the breastplate and the helmet, but when you have the shield of faith, that gives you that first layer of protection. That is your reinforcement. You're leading with your faith, your faith in God, your trust and your reliance on what God has done. Interesting thing about a shield too, is a shield can also be used as a weapon. So in warfare, you know, if you have a sword and you have a shield and they disarm you with your shield, the Romans, they were also armed with the ability to fight with their shield as well. So the shield itself is designed to quench the fiery darts, right? So it's not about us fighting the enemy in our own strength. It's just a matter of, I trust the Lord. When the enemy comes in, I believe God. And the next thing would be the the sword of the spirit. So the sword of spirit is the main weapon that we use, not our own words. The sword of the spirit is God's word. God's word is extremely vital to us both embracing and understanding and being able to stand against the enemy. Knowing God's word. Understanding what the Bible says about stuff that we're wrestling with. Understanding what the word says about stuff that we are struggling with. That's our weapon. Speak the word. Declare the word. Pray the word. Memorize the word. Meditate on the word. Ask questions about the word. Stay in communities when they're talking about the word. Because as long as the word is in you, you will always have a weapon. Always. So then there's a belt of truth, Mm -hmm. which basically holds all things, everything together. Right. It's God's faithfulness. It is God's faithfulness that keeps it all together. The truth of who he is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I like to kind of do a little research on the actual images that are being relayed in the scripture. So in this sense, you know, the, the armor that Paul is talking about, he used the image of the centurion or the legionary's armor, mm-hmm. which was like the Roman soldier, because that would be what they would understand. Yeah, he was as a Roman armor. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the thing about the belt which was interesting. Yes, it, it was used to hold together and hold in place all the other armor that they were wearing. So 
I took that as, okay, if I have the belt of truth, which is the truth of God, who God is, his faithfulness, his personality, mm -hmm. his, his, his presence, his, his reputation, yeah. all that God is. If I use that to hold everything in place, not only will that hold everything in place, but it'll, it will prevent it from falling off. Mm. So it's secure. Mm. So everything else that I'm putting on, the righteousness of God, the salvation that's on my head, that's covering and guarding my mind, the sword that I'm holding, all of the, mm -hmm. the, the, the shield, shield of mm -hmm. all of that is being held securely. And I'm, I'm being held securely by the truth of God Amen. and who God is. But also what was interesting was the fact that the belt that they put on, it wasn't a regular belt that we would know of. It, it was a belt that had metal, I guess, tassels, you, you would call them, that hung from the front of the belt. And so when, when soldiers would come into an, a place, you would hear them before you would see the soldier. So mm. it was almost like an announcement mm -hmm. between the, the shoes they had on that had uh, spikes underneath it that would sort of clank when they walked and the belt that made no it rustled and made uh -huh. noise as uh -huh. they walked it was almost an announcement of who was coming uh -huh. so when you heard that you automatically and they they almost wore it with pride it was like a badge of yeah. honor almost yeah and they would have uh soldiers would have individual charms that they would hang on their belt tassels that i guess they were individualized to who they were uh -huh. and i took that as the belt of truth that i'm putting on I'm wearing it with pride because I'm walking in the identity of Christ. Amen. So I can wear it with pride. And when the devil hears me coming, he's not hearing me. He's hearing the belt of truth. Mm -hmm. The truth is the truth of God, not yeah. me. It's his faithfulness, his truth, who he is. So I thought that was, you know, interesting, you know, the, the component of the belt and what it symbolized and signified. Mm -hmm. So. Mm hmm. That's good stuff. That's good. Listen, listen. I think a lot of people are going to get suited up. I think people are going to get suited up in the spirit because at the end of the day, you mean to tell me that I'm not, I don't have to fight. I just have to submit to God, put his armor on, make sure that belt is cinched in and the enemy doesn't hear me coming. He hears God coming. Oh man, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And there's one last uh, piece, which is very important. And that is the footwear that we're wearing. And you kind of touched on it too, babe, about the, about the footwear and how it grips. Like there were spikes at the bottom of the, mm -hmm. of the footwear. So they were like almost like, like cleats mm -hmm. um, in the sense that the spikes, you know, I mean, they were a lot stronger than cleats that we know today. But they had like, sp like metal spikes that went underneath it underneath the shoe the mm -hmm. sandal on the soles on the soles mm -hmm. that would sort of help to grip mm -hmm. the ground and you know i thought about the fact that a soldier would have to weather many different terrains mm. right so the shoes that they wore would have to be able to grip rocky ground yeah. smooth ground mm -hmm. muddy ground sand whatever they were walking on it had to be able to grip it and be able to have them stand securely mm -hmm. to be able to fight. Mm -hmm. So, again, with the shoes, it says, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Mm -hmm. So, peace in that scripture is talking about the assuredness and the, the wholeness that comes from the gospel. Mm -hmm. So, the peace that I get 
from the gospel and what it means and everything that comes with Christ and what this fight really means and what we get in the end. You know, I mean, we already know we win in the end. Mm -hmm. So that peace that comes from that. The assurance. yeah, The assurance of that is what steadies my feet and it causes me to be able to grip the ground that I'm under no matter what it is and stand firm. Yeah. Right. So put on your feet those shoes that will be able to steady yourself and ground you. Yeah. No matter what terrain you're walking on. That's amazing. Then Paul says in 18, with all prayer and petition and specific requests. So God is saying, if you now come into a place of knowing who you are, you're suiting up and you're walking in who you are. When you pray, pray for the big thing. Pray for the specific thing. Ask me specifically for what you want, because that's another way that we respect God's godness. He wants us to pray specifically. He said, with all prayers, specific requests at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the spirit, no matter what you're going through. From this posture of, I'm a new creature, I'm a new creation in Christ. Therefore, every spiritual blessing that God has bestowed upon me before time is mine right now. I belong to the Lord. All I had to do is submit to the Lord, resist the devil, and he runs. We don't run from the devil. The devil runs from us because we are wearing God's armor. And there's a confidence that we have to live in that God is challenging, especially in this day. In this crazy day, this is going to be a day where God is calling us to crazy courage, crazy boldness to be able to stand in who you are. And with all of this in view, staying alert with perseverance and interceding for God's people. So like you always say, this is not just an individual thing, right? That we are part of the body of Christ, which is not just us. But everything that we're doing is intended for the success of the whole and of all of us. So when we pray, we're not just praying about us. We're praying and asking God specific prayers about how the kingdom of God can be moved forward. That is not just a personal thing. That is also a corporate thing that we are doing because we know who we are. And then Paul closes it here with, and pray for me. Because remember, he's in jail. And he's writing all this stuff. From a place of brokenness. Pray for me that the words may be given to me that when I open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news of salvation, for which I'm an ambassador in chains, and pray that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly and courageously as I should. So in other words, when it counts and when my back is against the wall, Mm -hmm. Am I going to do what I'm supposed to do? Pray that I do what I know I should be doing. And that's all of us. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're not being challenged, it's easier to say what you will do and what you won't do. But when that time comes, will you have the boldness and the courage and confidence to stand firm and do what you're and proclaim what you're supposed to proclaim, say what you're supposed to say. And don't do what you're not, you know you're not supposed to do. Amen. And if Apostle Paul can say that, <laughs> pray for me that I be bold when I should be. We all are praying that. All of our prayers. And I think that prayer is apropos as we end this series. God has challenged us to really take a glimpse 
at who we really are in Christ and our responsibility to that, that the posture of our heart needs to be, I'm living this life in gratitude for all that I understand God has done for me. And that is going to affect my behavior. So that's going to affect what I do and what I decide not to do. And with God's help and the help of the Holy Spirit, I will not do what I know is unpleasing to God. And when the enemy comes in to fight me, which he will because he sees my value in Christ, I'm not going to fight in my own strength, but I'm going to suit up with God's armor that I might be able to stand and resist the devil and he will flee. So we pray that this series has been a blessing and that we are all challenged to continue to grow in our walk with the Lord. Um, if you are here and you uh, have not had the honor of uh, or the opportunity to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's very easy to do. You know, God, God has made it in a way where we can have access to God and he will forgive our sins. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness through our acknowledgement of our need for God. So this is something that you can do. This is something that we can all do. It is the greatest decision that you can make in your life. So we encourage you to allow yourself to open up your heart to all that God has for you. You're not here by accident. You're not listening by accident that all of this is intended for God to come and meet you right where you are and to reveal himself to you in a way that you have never seen him before. So Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this series, this session you, that you've allowed us to uh, experience. We thank you for reminding us of who we are. For thank some you, of us, you've told us this is our initial introduction into our identity and who we are. And for some of us, this is just a reminder of who you've called us and who we've known we were, but may have forgotten because of life and, and what it has done to our faith. So, Lord, we thank you and we thank praise you, you for the admonishments, the encouragements, the challenges, and the demands that you have put on us in our life, God. Lord, we ask that as we have internalized these things and we yes, have heard Lord. these things, that we will continue to meditate on them and we will continue to implement them in our daily lives, God. And we will walk in who you've called us to be. Yes, and Lord. we will boldly embrace our identities in you, God. Mm. And that we will keep in the forefront of our mind that we are working as one collective unified yes, body Lord. Yes, Lord. for our greater good, for the success of the whole, which is your body. Lord, I pray, God, that even when we struggle, that yes. you will continue to remind us. Yes, Lord. I pray, God, for fear and anxiety and worry that mm. would constantly creep in our hearts and in our minds, God, and even manifest in our body. And cause us to be sick, God. Mm. I pray now and I curse at the root the spirit of fear yes. and worry and anxiety because they do not come from you. Yes, Lord. We will walk in the authority of you. We will walk in the faith that you have given us, God. Mm. The measure of faith that you have given us, God. And we will be assured and we will trust completely and wholeheartedly mm. in you. Yes, Lord. In the faithfulness and the reputation of you, God, the truth of you, mm. touch the minds of those that may be mentally sick, that may be struggling, oh God. I pray, God, against the spirit of depression that would try mm. and creep in and cause yes, us Lord. to be discouraged and yes, cause Lord. us to lose heart and to lose faith, God. I pray, God, that you would just build us up, God, mm. in our most holy faith. Yes, Lord. 
that we might be able to be soldiers for you, God. Mm. Give us grace for those things that we would not be able to handle. I pray for mercy for the times that we fall short. And I pray, God, for your divine favor. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by what we shared. You can follow us at Sunday Devotionals on Instagram and like us on Facebook, where we can continue our discussions and keep in touch. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep.